0: September yet but we will let you know for sure. Um, So let me get started tonight uh, by asking you guys a question. Does anybody here like to wait? (laughs) No? Nobody loves to sit in doctor's waiting rooms and you know just wait and wait and traffic and you know wait for things. No? That's nobody's special thing. Well, me neither. So we're not alone, right? I don't think anybody loves to wait. Um, it's certainly something that doesn't come naturally to many people, It's something that we're working on. Um, but how many moms are here? Is there any moms here? Yes? How many of you know that kids especially love to wait? That's not true. <laughs> that's a lie, that's not true. Children just don't have it, yes? We were teaching them. Um, and so I have two kids, and my youngest, Josiah, he's four. He is specially uh, learning about this waiting and time situation. Apparently, he has not grasped uh, what time really means. Yes, so um, this past few months, every time he sees something that he likes, or he sees something that he wants, or he's like engaged by something, he's like, oh, Mommy! How much longer until my birthday? Like, child, <sighs> not yet. yet. Like five more months, Josiah, or four more months. <gasps> is that like four days? No, Josiah, <laughs> that's like four months. It's a long period of time, stop. And why is he asking? Because he is creating this super party in his mind and he's making a mental list of all these gifts that he's going to get. I don't know where from, yes, <laughs> but Every time, I want the Lego Star Wars. I want that cake. I want to do this. I want to, oh my God, oh my Lord. When your birthday comes, you will be very disappointed because I don't even know all the things you're keeping track of in your mind, yes? I don't think that anybody can really reach his expectations at this point. But, you know, it's, it's been harder for him because everybody's been having birthdays before him. How dare they? <laughs> right? I had a birthday, you know, all his, it seems like everybody in his class has had a birthday in the last two months. Like, I don't know what happened there, but everyone, we get like invitations and things and he, every time we get an invitation, it's like, oh, is it my birthday too? No, Josiah. <laughs> You're not into the summer, late in the summer, but it's funny, right? And, I, and we laugh and Adam and I joke about it, but the truth is that i think we are a lot like josiah i think that um we don't want to admit it but many times in life we find ourselves waiting for something waiting on god for something waiting on god for an answer waiting on on God to do a miracle for us, waiting on God to heal somebody or to save somebody or to change our situation or to move us into the next stage of our lives. And we, we are waiting, right? We're waiting like my son and we, and we see everybody else getting theirs. Why is she getting an answer? You know, why is God answering her prayer? Why is God moving for her? Why is God doing something for somebody else? When is it my birthday? You know, when is God going to move for me? When is it my turn? We could almost say. And see, if this has ever been you, or maybe this is you now, you're not alone. You're not faithless. You're not a terrible Christian because you get antsy and you want God to do something for you. But I do want us tonight to understand some of the struggles that we might face when we are waiting, when we are waiting on God when we're waiting for him to move. And most importantly, I would like us to see what God is doing while we wait. So let's pray really quickly before we go into the Word. God, we love you. We love you so much. And we are so, so, so thankful that you love us, even more. That you have a plan for us, that you're here with us, God. And and tonight, um, the only thing that we care about is hearing from you. God, there's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that we can do on our own. But we know that you change hearts. And you open our hearts to you. And you open our eyes. And tonight, that is my prayer. That we would hear from you. That it would be your word. That it would be you speaking to us. That let us have open hearts and open ears for what you want to say. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible or an iPhone or something to look at, the Word of God with, you can go with me to Psalm 73. We do have some Bibles over there, or it will also be showing up right here. I'm not tall enough to cover it, so you're good as well. You can just look behind me. Um, Psalm 73. I I love this psalm. There's many reasons that I love this psalm, but one of them is that it gives us the benefit of um, hindsight. You know, when you've been through something and then you look back and you're like, oh, that's what happens here. I feel like we get perspective. And obviously, the writer of the song is gone through the struggle. He's learned the lesson. And now he's sharing it with us. He's letting us know what he learned. And I love the book of psalms in general because it's so real, right? You, have you ever read the book of psalms? Like, David and I, we could have been buddies. Like, he is crying, and he's mad, and he's sad, and then he's super happy. I'm like, you and I, man, we could have gone along really well, because, you know, you're all over the place, and so am I. So I'm like, they're not trying to pretend they're perfect. They're not trying to tell us you should be this amazing Christian. No, they're trying to say, dude, we have emotions, and I struggle, and I'm right there with you, and I'm begging things of God, and I'm not seeing it, and then I'm seeing it. And so I love that they give us a window into humanity and Christianity and struggles so that we can see, one, that we're not alone, that we're not weird or crazy, but two, that there's hope. There's hope for all of us. There's hope in as many different situations as we may find ourselves. So let's read from the very beginning, Psalm 73, verse one. It says, truly, God is good israel to those who are pure in heart now i want to point this out and i I put that one on its own up there because i want us to remember this from the very beginning we see the psalmist say um he is good i want you to go into what i'm about to tell you with this in mind god is good to his people i'm about to tell you a lot of stuff and it may sound harsh and it might sound like I'm complaining a little bit. You know, he's going through, he, he wondered a little bit, he struggled a little bit, he was in a fight, he felt desperate at some point. But he comes back to this one thing and this one fact, and he tells us, God is good to his people. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't struggle, and we're going to see that. This is what the next verses are going to show us. I want you to, I'm going to read a little bit. You can follow along with me. Verse two, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone for I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper despite their weakness. wickedness, they seemed to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. Now, we know that's not true, but let's continue. They're now plagued with problems like everybody else. They wear pride like jeweled necklaces and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats, see, we could have been friends, (laughs) have everything. They have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Now verse 13, look at what he says. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. And every morning brings me pain. I'll stop right there. That was hard. He is being very honest. He's saying, he's talking to God, basically. He's kind of bringing his complaint, right? And he's going through what he has been looking at, at the world. He's looking out, and he's seeing... All these people that he considers to be wicked, that he considers to be uh, not even loving God, he's not even jealous of another Christian. He is mad that wicked people are getting everything that he wished he had. He's saying these fat cats have everything. Why do they have everything? Why do they get everything? They're, They're speaking evil. They're crushing others. They're not even like obeying you, Lord. Him and yet he thinks that they're getting everything that they want. And he is being honest. He is somewhat infuriated that this is happening. He's upset. He says they're enjoying life and everything in it. And here I am, and all your people. And we cannot catch a break. That's what he's that's what he feels. That's what he's sensing there. And then on verse 13, he's basically about to lose it, right? He's at his breaking point. He's questioning his belief. He's questioning, is it even worth it to be faithful to you? Is it even worth it? What is the point of me following you and doing the right thing and trying to stay the path? If all I'm getting, his words, is I get nothing but trouble all day long. Nothing but trouble all day long. And every morning brings me pain. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But can you relate like a little bit? I think we all can. Just a little bit. At some point, we've been like, I feel you, man. Like this is rough. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying. I'm trying. And all I see is everybody else getting what they don't even deserve according to me, right? They are prospering, and they're thriving, and even those who could not care less about you, they're getting everything that they want. It's going amazing for them. And here's me, trying to be a good Christian, trying to keep the faith, trying to serve God. For what? Those are rough words. He's saying, what for? What for? No answer no miracle do nothing it's like the heavens are not even listening to me so what for i hope you see the problem here there's a few but the one i want us to point out first is that in his pain and in his desperation he is comparing his situation to those around him and he is equating fleeting wealth and ease with God's favor. He is thinking, life, material life is going well with them, so they must be blessed. What is happening? And as he sees that, he's saying, he is becoming bitter. His heart is becoming bitter. He's becoming angry. He's starting to question the very foundation of his beliefs. To be honest, this verse had me like a ton of bricks. Because I understand the feeling. I understand the feeling of being so tired, of not seeing God answer, of not seeing a miracle, of not having a breakthrough, of not getting what I think I deserve from God. But that's the problem, too. That we're ready to give up on Him because He doesn't give us what we think is good for us. That we're ready... complain and be angry because he doesn't do things in our timetable in our schedule or the way we had envisioned it the writer of the song sees it too he sees the problem with his attitude because he says on the very next verse if I had really spoken this way to others I would have been a traitor to your people so he's saying I thought these things, but I didn't tell anybody, right? I thought about this, and I felt it, and I struggled with it, but I didn't go ahead and tell everybody because that would have done them a disservice. That wouldn't have helped anybody for me to say that to them. Because I want to see and understand something, that thoughts are going to come. You may think these things. You may feel these things. But we can't let them stay we can't harbor these thoughts we can't keep these thoughts we can't keep thinking this over and over it's not worth it i'm doing this in vain that's not listening to me it's never in vain if you're going to take maybe anything from tonight remember that it is never in vain to do what's right it is never in vain to continue to do what is good. It is never in vain to be faithful and to stay the path and to follow God and to just pour and pour and pour and to do what you know is right to do, even when you're not seeing results. It's never in vain. God is working. He is doing something in your waiting. He is doing something as you stay faithful. He's strengthening you. He's working in you. He's working in your heart. He's working in your character. He's working in your circumstance, even when you cannot see it. See, the problem sometimes, or a lot of times, is that we're not getting what we think we deserve, how we deserve it, when we deserve it. God isn't serving us the way we think he ought to. And we become discouraged and hurt and disillusioned. Because we almost it almost feels like a transaction yes i do the right thing and then god blesses me and i realized this that this is terribly wrong of course but i realized that even when we're little we start growing up like that my daughter said that to, to us the other day we were reading the bible i forget what story we were reading and then so we're like kayla tell us what you understood well if you do good things, then good things happen to you, and God does good things for you. I was like, oh, no, no, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> let's, let's go back and fix that thought. We think that way, right? We think I do good, that the, he does good to me, and we're all good. God is good regardless of whatever you and I do. He's good. He is good. He's not just doing you good. He is Good. Regardless of your mistakes, regardless of what uh, good things you did today, what bad things you might have done, that doesn't matter. You and me, we don't make God be good to us. He is good. That's it. He's good to us. He's good to us all the time. Amen. Yes? You know, like, but God is so much bigger than us. And he has thoughts that we cannot even begin to understand. And so we get upset because we think that it should look the way that I pictured it or I imagined it. We think that because he's not doing it exactly a certain way then he's not being good. And we pitch a fit, like my four-year-old. You know, we get upset because why can't I have my birthday now? Why can't I be born every month? Because you can't, you know? Like, it doesn't work like that exactly the same thing we're doing the same thing but we don't understand we get mad God why are you not answering me I want the husband and the house and the job and the thing and the healing and and I want my this person that I love to be saved and I want this to happen and I want my bank account with all these dollars and what's happening why is it not happening just because he's not doing exactly what we asked or what we desire it does not he is not a good god he is a good god but he has perspective and plans and long-term vision he's aiming at something he is doing something and what he considers your ultimate good may not at this point in your life match what you consider your immediate good you're thinking now and he thinks he thinks forever He thinks all through your life. He's taking you somewhere, but you want the thing right now. And it doesn't work like that. But you're not alone. Verse 16 tells us that he was thinking the exact same thing. He's saying, when I consider how to understand this, it was too great an effort for me, too painful, until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood for I considered their end. See, he was struggling just like you and just like me. It's too great an effort, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. Our natural minds are not meant to understand everything that God is doing. How silly of us. But you know what? It's okay to wonder and to struggle, but you have to come back and you have to remember You have to remember that as you come into his sanctuary, and I don't mean coming to church on Sunday. This is just, for them, this is where the presence of God lived, right? We get access 24-7. We can go to him at any point all the time. It's not necessarily a physical place, but it was a changing point, a turning point in his journey when he came into the presence of God. I understand, he says. Now I understand. It's like his eyes were open to see what God was doing. Contemplating God and being in his presence brought everything back into focus and perspective. He realized their fleeting pleasures, everything that these men are getting, these fat cats and everything they own and everything they're getting and everybody else who's getting their green lawn before me, their end might not be the end that I want. He he began to understand, yes, they have all these things now, but what I have, no one can take away from me. What I have is something that outlasts anything else. See, he begins to see in himself that his heart was getting bitter. He begins to understand this. And the way that he confesses it to God is so, it's, it's amazing. Verse 21, he says, Then I realized my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. He was being honest. He was like, God, I must have been so dumb in front of you. I must have been complaining and being so angry about all these things. But you must have been thinking, you're not seeing the full picture. You don't get what I'm doing. He couldn't make sense of it. He was envying. He was questioning if anything was worth it. But then, as he walked into God's presence, and this is my favorite verse, I love this. I love that he comes into this great realization. Verse 23. Yet, I still belong to you you hold my right hand you guide me with your counsel leading me to a glorious destiny whom have i in heaven but you i desire you more than anything on earth my health may fail and may spirit may grow weak but god remains the strength of my heart he is mine forever i love that he Is mine forever. He understood. There's it's so beautiful to see. He understood that no matter what was happening in his life, he understood that no matter the circumstance, no matter the wait, no matter the the delayed answers, no matter the no's, no matter what he was in, God was with him. He says, I belong to you. Still, I'm yours. Still, you're holding my hand. Still, I may lose everything else. But you've got me, and I got you. You got me, and I got you. Ladies, I want you to have expectancy for what God is going to do. I do. I want you to have hope. I want you to believe. I want you to pray with expectation. I do. I, I truly, truly do. But more than that, more than anything, I want you to anchor your hope in who he is. I want you to stay your life in who God is. I want you to understand that he is much more than what he does for us. He can do all these things for us, but he chooses to give himself to us is in the waiting with you he's in the waiting with you he holds you right here right now when you don't see a way when you don't see an answer when your prayer is being delayed when you have no way no possible answer or exit when life is tough he is there he is with you And I don't want you to just cling to promises. Yes, cling to his promises, but cling to the one who makes the promises. Cling to him. Make him the anchor of everything. Many times in our lives, he will delay answers. He will keep us a little bit longer in the waiting so that we come to know the one, the one thing that can never be taken away. So that we can come to cherish him and love him and desire him above everything else. He's working out his goodness in our lives. In the unanswered prayers, in the waiting, in the pain, in the not-yets of life. He's giving you and me the ultimate gift. He's giving himself to us. A more intimate Jesus, a real Jesus. Because maybe up until that point, Jesus was just here. but He was never here. He wasn't real. There wasn't a connection. It wasn't something you cling to, somebody you knew, somebody you were intimate with, somebody that you could cry out to, and you can know that he's holding you. Living in victory sometimes, all the time, means I get to be satisfied with him. I am happy, I am content, I am at peace, here and now, with Him. Jesus becomes our desire, our hope, our rock, our promise. He is mine, He is ours, and we are His, and it's not something we say, this, my dear friends, is the gift in the waiting, this is the purpose in the waiting, the ultimate goal. That we desire Jesus. That we love him truly. That he is above all things in our lives. I love the next verse because... Actually, I love verse 26, I'm sorry, the one we just read. Because he acknowledges that his flesh is going to fail. I'm not telling you that you're never again going to be like wrestling with this truth. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect from now on. But I am saying that you're going to find that he's good, and that you're going to find that he's with you, and that you're going to find him real. In verse 27, he finishes by saying, Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But ask for me, how good it is to be near God. I made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. What a change of perspective, am I right, from when we begin. The very last verse is like, I got this, I understood. Nothing has changed. I I like that they don't tell us what happened with them. Yes, because you could have been like, well, he got his whatever he wanted. No, we don't know. We had no idea what happened. But now he's saying, for me, the only good in this world is to be with you. To have you near, you are my shelter, and I'm going to tell everyone how wonderful you are. I'm going to tell everybody. You may or may not receive your answer today, tomorrow, soon, I have no idea. You may or may not see what you're longing for. It might be a yes or it might be a no. But it won't shake you anymore. It won't destroy you anymore. It won't throw you on the floor anymore. You won't be desperate anymore. It won't matter like it did before because you have him and you understand this, and you belong to him. And that is my prayer for tonight. I pray for our hearts that whatever season you find yourself in, that we can come to this realization, that we belong to him, that he is good, that he has you, and that you have him. And no matter what you're going through, he wants to find you and he wants you to find him there and he's giving you the greatest gift of all himself let's pray jesus we just thank you we thank you even even now god for the delayed prayers for the delayed answers for the struggles god we thank you for the not yet in our life We thank you, God, for the seasons that we don't understand because because they're throwing us, propelling us into your arms. They're drawing us closer to you. And I pray over every single woman here in this place that if they find themselves struggling, struggling to understand what you're doing or even struggling to believe in your goodness, Lord, I pray with all of my heart that they would into your presence, that they would leave everything behind and run to your arms, where they would find themselves being held by you all this time, knowing that they belong to you all this time, and that you are the only thing worth desiring, that you're the only one worth holding on to. I pray that you would breathe encouragement into our hearts as we worship, as we come into your presence. Thank you, Jesus.